You're welcome. Good morning, everybody. I had to uh, put together a full wardrobe this morning for the first time in a month. I don't know how I did. My wife's right there. Did I do okay? She says thumbs up. That's good. Um, Man, that was awesome worship. I just bless the worship team. So thankful for them. I know you guys are at home, um, and I know what it what it takes to to invest in this. And uh, I'm just thankful for these guys. So it's uh, it's an honor, really, truly, and it's an honor to be with you this morning um, for the ten of us here, as well as however many are out there. Good morning. Hi. I can see you if you wave back. That's great. Thank you. Um, uh, I got uh, I got a text from Marvin earlier this week saying, uh, "Hey, can you preach Sunday?" And so, like a good introvert, I immediately left the house and went on a long walk to um, pray into what I might share. And we're in a series right now uh, for the month of April called "All Things New." Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, isn't that nice? And so, um, so I headed out on a, on a walk on the Monon, and um, the very first thing that I saw was this. And um, it's just sad. I mean, we're in the middle of this weird, strange season in, in this pandemic of the normal rhythms of life are interrupted and things are shut down and just like... I wasn't planning on going on the swings, but if I had wanted to, I couldn't. Um, and it just, it's just like, it was just kind of a gut punch to just um, a, a, like a sobering reality of this season for us as the, as the world. As we're waiting for this, this thing to, to work itself out, we're praying, we're, we're, we're quarantining, we're trying to honor the government, we're, 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 we're waiting for this thing to be over, and, and it was just kind of like a, like a sick feeling of just seeing like a playground, like police tape, you know, whatever. Um, and um, as, I, as I began to walk and pray about what God might have me share this morning, um, and I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about all things new, and you know, that we have the signs of spring coming, and we have the the dogwoods blooming, and there are these beautiful, horrible-smelling trees um, that, that just are this gorgeous sign of spring to us. And I heard, I heard the Lord ask me this question. You know how he does. Not, not, I didn't hear an audible voice, but you just hear a question in your spirit. And it was a kind of question where I knew he wasn't just going to ask it once. You know how he does that sometimes. He'll, he'll ask you a question, and you know he's after something. And it's actually true of Jesus that he asked twice as many questions as people asked him in the Gospels. And um, he actually, I, I, I read one source that said, of all the questions Jesus was asked, he only answered two of them directly which I don't know about you, but that fits my experience of him. Um, and he tended to answer questions with another question. And, and Jesus doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answers. He asks questions for our sake. He asks questions because he's getting at something, right? And he asked me this question. He said, what would it be like, what, no, excuse me, what would it look like for me to bring about the new creation? 
So we're, we're in this series of all things new. And the, and the first place my mind goes, and I don't know about yours, but I begin to look around me at the, at the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm just passing this building with all this graffiti and this, this garbage kind of littered through the woods. And, 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 and there's a dump truck passing on Highway 31. And it's just like, ugh. Like you just begin to think about all the ways that the creation could look new. Um, what, what our world would look like around us. And I am an animal lover, and I think about how the enmity between us and the animals will be gone. And I get excited about that, maybe more than I ought to. But um, just to tell you a quick story, when we first moved back from England last summer, um, we were living at a friend's guest house, and they have a nice piece of property with some land. And uh, I, I had seen this chipmunk outside the porch uh, from time to time. And I thought, I am going to befriend this chipmunk. And uh, so I read up a little bit online about how you go about that. And I went to uh, Meyer and I got some uh, sunflower seeds. I got the unsalted ones because I was worried about his sodium intake. <laughs> and... Uh, and I would sit every morning for at least 20 minutes during my like, devotional time, my prayer time with the Lord, and I would scatter a handful of sunflower seeds out. And I never saw him for weeks. But in the evening, the sunflower seeds would be gone. And my family wanted to tell me that the birds had taken them, but I knew better. I knew that William, because that's what I named him, was coming at some point after I'd left and was taking those seeds back to his home with gratitude in his heart, I, I imagine. And so I would wait and hope that I could begin to build some kind of a trust. That, that William, you know, the, the, the natural fear that animals have for us because of the fall. Right? The creation was subjected to bondage because of sin. The natural fear that animals have, I would be able to overcome. And, and, and he would begin to trust me. And so... I'd like to show you all that. Um, that's William. That's as close as he ever got. But he was right underneath me one morning, which was amazing. And we never got to the point, unfortunately, where he would nestle up in my pocket and I could carry him around through the day like I imagined. But, um, but those are the kinds of things that I think about immediately when I think about the new creation. You know, we had Bruce last week who was, was talking to us about the vastness of the universe and, and was showing us with cool graphics and mind-blowing stats just how vast this universe is and how infinitesimally small we are in relationship to it. And so you might think of, you know, it, it says in the Word that, that God is going to, to uh take the heavens and the earth and, and, and toss them aside like a garment and bring about new ones. And so you might, think about, you might think about all of that when it comes to the new creation. We'll have new planets or stars or who knows what it's going to look like. But we can, we can imagine and we can dream about that. And so I was thinking about all that kind of stuff, and I heard Jesus ask me the question again, what would it look like for me to bring about the new creation? And the second time he asked me, I realized he was going, oh, you mean me? 
Because we all tend to look externally first, right? When Jesus came the first time, they were like, fix all this, Jesus. The Romans, right? And he's like, deny yourself. So I had this revelation as I'm walking that, yes, God is going to make all things new. That's what we read in Revelation 21 when, when John gets this vision into the future of what's going to happen. And God says, behold, I am making all things new. Yes, that's coming. But what's the, what's the starting place for the new creation? It's us. Of all the vastness of the universe and all of those mind-blowing things that God is going to do and bring about in the new creation, he determined that he was going to start with me and you. I'll just sit with that for a moment to think about the honor of that. The honor that, that the Father's new creation begins with us in this mind-blowingly vast universe. So, the key passage for today, as you might have guessed, is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation, what? Has come. The old has gone, the new is here. We are the only place where it's already here. Now, I'm a word nerd. Hopefully, a few of you are word nerds, but if you're not, you're just going to have to go there with me anyways. Because I want to look at the word for new. Because the Greeks had two words for new. We only have one in English. And it's important to understand the difference between them so we know which one's being used here. They had the word neo, uh, which means new in time. Okay? But they also have a word kainos, which means completely new in nature. Now, what's the difference? Okay? If... Back in my day, I'm the last generation before the internet. I'm the, I was the generation where the internet came, a, came along. And, and I think about like one day in the, you know, decades from now, like I'll, I'll get to be interviewed. Like, what was it like before the internet? And I won't remember at that point. But, but, but let's think about like back in that time in the 90s, you could get a new phone. Your phone broke or you needed a, you moved into a new house. You need a new phone. You get a new phone. Okay, that's a Neo. That's a new Neo. I got a Neo phone. Okay. But then, and you can look this up. If you go to, uh, oh, what was it? The Today Show in 1994. You can look this up. There is a hilarious clip of them trying to understand on live morning show what the internet is. And it is hysterical. They're like, what? Now, where is it? What? Now, there's a bank of computers? Like, they don't, they don't understand what this is. It's a, 
It's a new communication means, but it's not new like getting a new phone. It's like completely new in nature. So that's kainos, okay? So neo's new in time, and kainos is completely new in nature. And that's the word being used here. When we are a new creation, it's just like, no, like, oh yeah, here's a new one. Just like the old one, except it's fresh. No, no, this is completely new in nature. And that's what God does. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some audience participation from the nine other people in the room. <laughs> what are some things in the scriptures that God has made or is making new? Can you, can you list out some of them for me? What has he done? Kristen actually said one of them in her, mess, in her communion meditation. New what? New covenant. That's the one she said. What else? New heart, yes. That was from the Hebrew, but yes. What else? New mind? What else? New Jerusalem, good one. Well done. Behold, I give you a new commandment. That's what Jesus said. You're going to speak in new tongues. What else? I'm going to make a new heaven and earth. Good. New man, good. You guys have gotten most of them. New. <laughs> and, 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 and the Bible also talks about the new song. All of these places where those things are said, it's this word kainos. And the point is, it's not just God's making something new in time. He's making something completely new in nature. And that's what he's doing with us. When he says, you are a new creation... He's saying you are something completely different in nature than you were before. So like I said, the new creation starts with us. So let's go to, just to get this concept a little more, let's go to 1 Peter 1.23. Which this, Peter's the only one that uses this language about born again, like Jesus does with Nicodemus. Remember when he's explaining to Nicodemus what it is, like what salvation is. He's like, you must be born again. And the Pharisees trying to figure out what he means by that. So Peter picks up on that language again here and says this, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And so we know from the scripture that everything we can see, all that which is seen, this, this, your couch at home, whatever, everything you can see is temporary and will pass away. And only that which is invisible, which is unseen, is lasting and eternal. Now that's just hard for us because we ground ourselves in this, right? It kind of it, it freaks me out a little bit that all of this is going away. It's all I know. And, and honestly, I think that there's a good dose of that for everybody with, with the pandemic and the quarantine right now because we have grounded ourselves, we have comforted ourselves in the reality that we knew. It's why the line to Starbucks is around the corner, like every time they're open right now. It's not because the coffee's that great. 
It's because people are trying to ground themselves in something they know, something rote, something that, that was part of their daily or weekly experience. They're trying to ground themselves in that because we're all just like flailing about because we don't have our, our normal rhythm right now. But everything, and I mean everything, which you can see, will pass away. None of it is eternal. And so, and so this, this invisible but imperishable seed has been planted in all of us who are in Christ. And it is the new creation. And it is inside of you, and it is not going anywhere. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, but it is growing on the inside of you. The new creation has come and is growing on the inside of you. And so, so what is our job? Our job is to yield to that process, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's go back to the key verse in its context, okay? So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. And we'll look at a couple of the sections there quickly. Starting in verse 1. I don't know if y'all can see that. Might be too small, but you have Bibles on your phones. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent... Everybody pinch your skin and say, my earthly tent. Or someone else's. Nice. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, which it will be, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Right? So when the imperishable seed is in us, and we know that the kingdom is not of this world. And so there's a, there's a groaning inside us as we're longing to be, to be covered, not in our earthly tent, but in our heavenly tent. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now that is one of my favorite phrases in the New Testament. Because if you are in Christ, when you die, you are not swallowed by death. <laughs> you are swallowed by life. That's amazing. My mom passed nine years, I think, this summer, eight or nine. And I think about that when I think about her. She was swallowed up by life. And it says, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit, right? That incorruptible seed, that invisible seed, that part of the new creation that has already come to you. He has given us the spirit as a deposit. So God's got us on layaway, guaranteeing what is to come. And then let's skip down to verse 15. And he died for all. Oops, there we go. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't, we don't regard them just by what we can see. 
though we once regarded Christ in this way. You know, I think about, I, I, I love when there's all these people down at the Jordan and John the Baptist is there and Jesus comes walking up and John the Baptist is the only one who goes, behold, the Lamb of God. And it's like, everybody else must have been going, what are you talking about? And I think the reason was because John had prepared himself. John had prepared himself to see what wasn't just on the outside. But everybody else is looking on the outside and going like, this guy, what, who, what, what are you talking about, the Lamb of God? So, though we once regarded Christ in this way, so we do so no longer. Now we know better. We know that he was more than just a carpenter from Nazareth, right? We have a revelation of who he is, who he truly is. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So if you are in Christ, the new creation has come. And like I said, our job is to yield to that process, the process of the new creation growing and flourishing inside of us. So what gets in the way? I mean, immediately when I'm honest with myself, I have a lot of fear about the new creation coming. It's, it's something new. <laughs> we just tend to be frightened by new things. We tend to be frightened by the unknown. My fear gets in the way. My unbelief about how good God is gets in the way. I begin to wonder, if I, if I let the new creation come more, will he require more of me than I really want to give up? Can he really be trusted? Do I, do I really want to give up more than I already have? All of those questions begin to come up inside of me. So we're going to look at three ways that we can yield to the process. Let's turn to Ephesians 4, verse 22. We'll start there. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that, that last phrase is a stunner. That we could be, what does it say? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, this this new creation truly is something new in nature. That, that's new to any of the experience that we have of ourselves. I think we could say amen to that. So we're taught with regard to our former way of life. Now, I, I, I came to Jesus as a little kid. I was like six or seven. So 
I don't think it just means your former way of life being before you were saved. Because I, can anybody else say amen that, that in their flesh they've picked up some, even some new bad habits since they got saved? Most of the bad stuff I've picked up in my life has come after I've been saved because I was saved at like a, you know, I mean, my former way of life would have been like not eating paste anymore. So we're talking about more, more than just that, about putting away our former way of life. The, the, you're, you're putting away the things of your flesh, your old man, your old self that you are still carrying around with you. And so... The, the, the picture, the metaphor here is of putting off something and putting on something. Okay, so um, a few years ago, we had a massive garage sale when we were moving to Nashville. And as I was coming out for the garage sale and getting ready and everything, and, and we had all these clothes up, I found some of my shirts that I don't remember putting in the garage sale in the garage sale. And I said to my wife, Mandy, what, what's this doing here? I wear this all the time. And she just looked at me. Sometimes we don't know when it's time to get rid of something. And some of the, some of the old ways that we have picked up and that we have put on and that we have lived out of for so long, we're just so freaking comfortable with them. We don't know that we can put something else on. It, it feels like part of us. It feels like our identity. And God's going, yeah, it was. It's not anymore. I have a new identity for you that's completely new in nature. You need to take that off. And put this on. And it is something that we have to do. No one can do it for us. In the Greek here, when it says put off and when it says put on, it is the middle voice. Okay, so there's three voices in, in the Greek. There's active, I'm doing something to something else or to someone. There's passive, I'm sitting back and it's being done to me. And then there's middle and middle, middle is, this is something I'm doing to myself or for myself. And this is the middle voice. Meaning, no one can do this for you. You have to continually, daily, be choosing to put off the old and put on the new. And that's part of how we yield to the new creation coming. It's an act of our will. Okay. So number one, how we yield to the new creation, we must put on the new self. We're going to choose what we're going to wear, right? Okay, number two, let's go to Romans 12, 2. Most of you probably know this verse, but I found, something, I found out something really cool about it that I didn't know. I'm going to share it with you because I'm nice like that. So Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, keep in mind that in these letters, Paul, in this case, 
He's speaking to believers. So he wouldn't say, don't conform to the pattern of this world if we didn't need to hear it. These things don't just happen when we get saved and then we don't have to worry about it. There is a dailiness, there is a choice to these things that has to go on in order for us to yield to the new creation coming on the inside of us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our default is to be conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern is all around us all the time. It's easy, it's comfortable to be conformed to the pattern of this world. But he's saying do something different. And how do we do it? Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, now, so another word thing. This word here, transformed, only appears three times in the New Testament. Here and two other places. And we're going to look at all three of them. And the word in the Greek is metamorpho. Everybody say metamorpho. Now, what word does that sound like? Metamorphosis. Yes, good. And what do you think of when you think of metamorphosis? Butterfly. Bullfrogs and butterflies. That's going way back to that one. Does, any, does anybody think of this guy? What did he say? Look at me, I'm a beautiful butterfly. That German accent was for Christian Transfeld. I hope he is watching. Um, and, and, what's, and if you've seen this, this is from Bugs Life. And, and what was funny about this is that the caterpillar came out looking exactly like he did before he went in with these tiny little wings. But we know that's not actually true of a butterfly because it becomes something kinos. It becomes something completely new in nature, right? It goes in one way and it comes out like that. Surely that's not the same animal. That's the word being used here, okay? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, but be metamorphosized, made into something completely new in nature by the renewing of your mind. Now, what does that mean, renewing of your mind? What, what are some things we can do to renew our mind? I'm asking these people in the room here. Pray in the Spirit. Worship. Stay in the Word, okay? Stay in the word. In Ephesians 5, where it's talking about Jesus' relationship to the church like a husband and wife, it says he washes her with the water of the word. He makes her holy by washing her with the water of the word. We need to be letting our husband, Jesus, wash us as the bride with the water of his word. That's how he makes us holy. That's how he sanctifies us. That's how he brings about the new creation in us. I, I struggle with uh, resentment and bitterness. It's just one of those places that I naturally go in my flesh. And, and a lot of mornings I have to go, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a delightful inheritance. That was, that was the confession of David, right? He had to, he had to rehearse what was true. Because we're lied to. We live in an atmosphere of lies. 
We're breathing lies in this world. The prince of the power of the air is lying and lying and lying and lying. <laughs> We're just walking around in lies. And we have to wash ourselves with the word in order to be transformed. So here's the cool thing about that word. The other, we're going to look at the other two places it's used, metamorpho. Okay, the, 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 the first time it's used is used of Jesus. Where in the story of the Gospels would you imagine the word metamorpho is used? Not the resurrection. Transfiguration. Give that man a prize. The transfiguration. The word's only used three times. We are using the word, the same word where it says Jesus was metamorphosed before them. That's the same word he uses of you and me when he talks about being transformed. So it could rather say in Romans uh, 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. I mean, that's just amazing that that same word would be used. But that's the reality. When the new creation comes, it is like Jesus' transfiguration, just a lot slower and more internal. Okay, so, I've lost my place. So, number one, how we yield to the new creation. We put on the new self, choose what we wear. Number two, we renew our minds, choosing what we think. Okay, now we're going to look at the other place that that word metamorpho is used. The final place it's used in the New Testament. And it's 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says this. Actually, I'm going to give the context first. So you can go back and do a, a study of this uh, uh, later. Because this, this whole chapter is really cool. And it relates to Exodus 34. And the story of Moses going up to the mountain. And you probably know... I'll just remind you that when, that when Moses went up to the mountain to meet with the Lord, and he was face-to-face -face with God, he came back down, and everybody freaked out. And Moses didn't know why. Like, why is everybody freaking out? What's going on? He, they're freaking out because what was, what was going on with Moses? Anybody know? His face was shining. His face was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, everybody's freaking out. So Moses had to put on a veil so that he wouldn't freak everybody out. So whenever he went up with the Lord and met with the Lord face to face, Moses would put on a veil when he came back down, <laughs> which seems like it would freak me out too, but, but maybe it was less freaky. And, and, and the glory would, would fade the longer Moses had been away from the Lord. Okay. So that's what's, that's what's being referenced here in 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you look at the, in the context of the chapter, he's, he's talking about that. And then he says this in verse 3.18. But we all, talking about the body of Christ, believers, we all with unveiled face, we don't have a veil, 
reflecting as a mirror the glory of the Lord are, what, there it is again, transformed. We are transfigured. We are metamorpho into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Spirit. So we're not wearing a veil. And, and some, some of your translations might say beholding as in a mirror or reflecting as in a mirror. But the idea is this. It, it's, like, it's like the moon and the sun. The sun's rays shine, but, but at night, we are still getting the light of the sun as it bounces off the moon. The moon does not emanate anything of its own. It's just a big rock up there in orbit. But the, but the rock bounces back the glory of the sun. So, so in that same way, like Moses, when he was face to face with the Lord, the glory transferred off of the Lord onto him. Like that's the image here. And so we, with unveiled face, are reflecting as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image. The same image. Whose image? His image. We are, transferred, we are transformed into the same image of the Lord from glory to glory, even as the Lord from the Spirit. So, how we yield to the new creation. Number one, we choose to put on the new self. We take off the old self, we put on the new self. We're choosing what we wear. Number two, we're renewing our minds with the word, with, with praying in tongues, with worshiping, and we're choosing what we think. We're choosing what we, what we set our minds on. And number three, we're choosing what we're looking at. There's no, there's no shortcut to this. And in fact, I think a lot of what religion is, is trying to do the things of Christianity without being before the Lord. Because there's a, there's a real temptation to do that. There's a real temptation to, to, to kind of act in the ways that we think are the right ways or the ways that look good to other people. But we don't really want to get before the Lord. We don't, <laughs> we don't really want that gaze on us all the time. And so I think, I think religion a lot of times is trying to do that stuff without really getting face to face. But it, but it's, but it's not real, and it's not going to last, and it's not the new creation. The, the true new creation comes about from being face to face with the glorious one. And the glory of him shines onto us. And he says, he says in John 17 that, he wants, that, that Jesus is, is sharing his own glory that the Father gave him with us. And so that's what transforms us, is being regularly face-to-face with him, that he's literally changing us to be like him. Because, because the new creation is really about filling the whole universe with the Son of God. It's not about us becoming little superheroes. 
We are the new creation, not on our own. We are the new creation in Christ. God, God the Father is filling the whole universe again with his Son. And so, we yield to that process the more we behold him. First Corinthians 15.49 says this, which I love. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. You hear that? It's old creation, new creation there. It's the first Adam and the last Adam. It's who we were and it's who we're becoming. And so, the first way that God brought about the new creation was when Jesus came. So Jesus came to restore and to make all things new. And he came, what does the word say? He came in the likeness of what? Beno? I'll tell you. He came in the likeness of sinful man. He wasn't sinful. He didn't have any sin. But he came in the likeness of sinful man. He came like us. He came like the old creation. That, that, the incarnation, him coming as a zygote and then growing into a baby and then growing into a, a young man was him coming in the likeness of sinful man in order that what? In order that he might bring about the new creation. But see, the first fruit of the new creation was the resurrected Christ. That's where God the Father started. So Jesus came in the incarnation, and then he went through humiliation in order to become the new creation. And so we follow him in that. Jesus came to bear our image so that we could bear his. He is the new creation, and we follow him in that. We follow him as the beginning of that new creation, and then the rest of the universe will follow. And so really, what I, just what I want to get across this morning as I finish, and, and I'm going to have my wife come up here and um, kind of close things out. Is, is, is that, that notion of the honor that has been bestowed on you and I, that in Christ, we could be the first fruits of that new creation. That God is going to one day take all of this and change it like a garment and roll back the heavens like a scroll. But he started with you and he started with me. And for the balance of our days on the earth, we get to decide how much we want to cooperate with that process. 
It's already started. We can't stop it from happening. The incorruptible seed is inside of you, and it's inside of me if we're in Christ. So the new creation has been planted in us, but it's up to us how much we want to yield to that process. As the Father is making all things new, it's up to us how much we want to fight the program or not. And so the choice is ours. Come on up, babe. Good morning. Um, As Brian was sharing um, this with me over the weekend, I couldn't help but keep asking the question and feeling like, man, what does this have to do with where we are right now, with quarantine, with this, this place that we found ourselves in? And a few things kept welling up inside of me. Um, and one of them is I feel like, um, even though while we know we've inherited this new spirit instantaneously, we've been made this new creation, um, our souls are still under construction. And so we are trying to figure out how to work out this new creation thing inside of us. And I felt like that quarantine is that cocoon in a way for our souls. And, um, and a couple weeks ago when I was praying through this, I saw this picture and it was, I was standing in space and I could see Jesus and he was as big as the earth and he was holding a shepherd's crook. And he was saying, I want to shepherd my people through this, through this quarantine season, but not just for the moment. I want to do a new thing inside of us and the way that we function. And I keep thinking about that scripture in 1 Peter. It says, um, return now to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And I feel like this quarantine process, what it's doing to our souls, it's revealing all of our techniques for soul management. There are things that we don't even realize that we do to manage our souls. Places that we go, think, you know, food, whatever it is, you know. I mean, I feel like I've been in a, a month-long exploratory surgery of my soul. and God just keeps showing me thing after thing after thing. And yet I read something yesterday that there's just a hint that we might, um, we might be getting out soon. And part of me was really excited, but I heard something and I felt something when Brian was sharing. And it's this, I heard the Lord just saying, hold, 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 don't, don't rush out too soon. Because while you were forced in this place, I don't waste anything. And I'm not wasting this. And even if the government says you're released, you wait for my word. Because this is the way that you become, you take your soul under the Lordship of Christ. And you say, I will not manage my soul. That is your job. And I won't run back out to the things that my soul has been using to manage itself. And I believe that in and of itself is preparing us for what's coming, for a new thing that he's doing in the church, for a new way of loving and relating. He's expanding our ability to possess him in the places of our souls in new ways. So my encouragement to you, and I'm just going to pray this over us right now, is Lord, would you help us to not rush out too quickly? I just feel that call that invitation just wait a little bit longer 
just wait, let me finish what I'm doing inside of you. You need this. Return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So Lord, we just do that. I pray, Father, even this morning for people listening, just the ways that we have managed our souls, Lord, would you help us to repent of that? Would we just come under the Lordship of Jesus in our souls and the places of our souls, Father? Thank you, Lord, for meeting us this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for quarantine. Thank you for this global pandemic that is causing a shift that we never ever could have or would have done in and of ourselves, Lord. We just bless you this morning, Father. We bless you even now, God, for the work that you're doing and the ways that you're shaking us up on the inside, God. And we look forward to all that you're doing inside of us, not just outside of us, but inside of us. Let us bring the change, God, that the world needs to see. 